Hey everybody, this is your host Jeremy. I want to take a quick second at the beginning of the episode here just to let you know that we have launched a Patreon to support the show. Check us out at patreon.com slash giving the mic. Your contribution helps us cover hosting costs, edit costs, and even some equipment upgrades. Patreon is a way that you can automatically support the show each month with a donation as little as a dollar. $5 every month gives you access to regular premium episodes as well as the backer-only special cat photo email list. You can actually see the cats of the host that you can hear in the background. Once again, that is at patreon.com slash giving the mic. I thank you, or my co-hosts thank you, and the cats thank you. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Mm. Those mics have seen things that you would never believe. Wouldn't believe. Yeah. Every, every journey cover has put a weight on that mic until it will die. A horrible death eventually. There. It'll okay. be like, don't stop believing. I don't know why people don't do separate ways instead. It's way more fun to sing. Yeah, yeah. it is much more don't fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sherry's hard to sing to me. Not if you're a singer. Mm-hmm. Well, oh well, <laughs> I'm just gonna have to set that down. <laughs> wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't Sherry a solo track? Wasn't oh, you're right, you're right. It was uh, Steve <gasps> Perry solo. Oh, nice. I'd forgotten about that. Okay. I'm a baritone. I can't hit those notes. Mm-mm. I'm a alto with An alto um, with bad shit going on when I sing. That's what happens. Gotcha. The I am also a. What I'm, no, I'm a baritone too because I'm uh, mm-hmm. not not a bass, not a tenor. Um, so that extender go. Yeah, I can. I can <laughs> Those do, are your options, baby. I can. Yeah, well, I can. Do, I think my my um, my um, my karaoke my karaoke range is somewhere between Brian Ferry and uh, Danzig. Mm. Ooh. You go with the Danzig then. And I can do. Uh, Mother. Yeah. Sorry. Done. No singing on the podcast. No singing. Hey, All right. Garrett's not here. Let's go. <clears throat> and without further ado, welcome everybody once again to giving the mic to the wrong person. I am your host, Jeremy. I'd like to thank uh, three guests for joining us here on a coldish, coldish, rainy Saturday. Yeah, it's Saturday, not Sunday. Okay, Saturday afternoon in our scenic uh, basement apartment recording studios. Um, going around the table to do a quick introduction. Uh, guests, if you will introduce yourselves. Who wants to go first? Go, Amy. You're the okay. smartest. You. I. 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 You have the. You have a graduate. You're degree. the most academic. You have to go ahead of me. I'm, I'm the PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm Amy Samariva. Um, I teach at Portland State University right now. Um. I teach in the university studies program, uh, classes that are at the sophomore level, interdisciplinary kind of things about popular culture, um, American history, those, that sort of stuff. So you, you mainly have, so pretty much your classes are full of just 19-year-olds? 
Basically, yes. Okay. No, sure. actually, there, there's there's more age differentiation. Oh, okay. But, you know. Oh, yeah, because you know, it's Portland State. I'm just, I I lived in Ann Arbor for ten years, so I'm used to the trad student. Well, then again, I shit I was to say trad student <laughs> life, but hell, I was a trad student for six years, so you know. Same. Figure that one out. Um, but yes, thank you, thank you for joining us. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. This for, is, I'm excited to have an opportunity to talk about Hannibal and Hannigram, and I recently <laughs> did a. Uh, gave a presentation at the Film and History Conference on uh, Hanagram fanfic. Awesome. Um, so, Wait, where awesome. was that? Uh, it was in Milwaukee. Beautiful, exciting Milwaukee. I love Milwaukee. So, Wisconsin? Wisconsin. Yes, yeah, yes sorry. Yeah, not, okay. not, not, <laughs> not Portland. Not, not, not the suburb of Portland, but Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Neat. Because that's where I work. Um, um, I'm Jamia Jefferson. Um, I uh, work for money as a proofreader at Dark Horse Comics. For uh, 11 years, I was an assistant editor and uh, have recently just been released to uh, doing nothing but proofreading. Yeah, yeah which is, No, it's great. Oh. It's vastly, vast, vast, uh, vast preference on my part. Oh, okay. um, I'm not really, um, I'm not set up to be an assistant editor i'm not set up to be an assistant anything really um and um for my what i actually do my actual life is i am a novelist and uh i write stuff and every once in a while it gets into print but mostly i just write stuff and try to find opportunities to write stuff nice and i do a bunch of other stuff but it's yeah it's neither for money or what i primarily do so fan fiction maybe irrelevant yeah i uh <laughs> almost i would say that pretty much every single thing that i've ever every piece of fiction that i've ever written has been fan fiction whether or not people can tell that, that that's the case yeah nice yeah well, i am natasha resident fangirl and also resident star wars nerd and hero villain shipper um, i don't know if you're the resident star wars nerd okay well you're probably gonna beat me on we this. are peers okay we're we peers. are star wars nerd peers all right oh yeah you can i don't even want the title you're not so alone. we can share it thank you i want it <laughs> star wars forever yes and the t as you know as mentioned the top the topic today for as much as we actually we have actual topics on this show um, is uh, getting into I uh, guess fan fiction, uh, its history. Um, I guess your own particular histories with it, but also uh, at some point I want to mention um, because because I think I, I get a kick out of talking about psychological mechanisms. And one thing I want I did want to at some point hopefully we can talk about the call it the psychological function it serves, mm. uh, benefits and whatnot. Mm. Um, to begin with. Can you talk about your own personal histories with, I guess, let's let's cloud it together in this mix of like fandom and, and you know, and to the point of actually, you know, fandoms of certain things to the point of actually wanting to get involved with, what would this be, what would, what's, what's a good, look, well, we, we have to define our terms. What is a good, <laughs> let, let a, what do you, what's a good definition, working definition for what people would refer to as fan fiction? go anyone i would say that fan fiction is a part and parcel of fandom that's been in existence since probably i would say the, um like 10 bc yep, at least or before it's metatextual writing of stories in a way that transforms them in a way that is indicative of what the writer wants out of the story and also explores new territory 
and you know it's it's been going on forever for sure but i mean the major boost was uh the kirk's box shipping of the 60s and 70s that's when you first got slash that's when you first got like women writing zines to each other because that was pre-internet so you had women writing stories about star trek and a lot of those women writers actually went on to write for the actual series and so what you see is this shift of these people that are doing this canon work where they're exploring the canon itself and being very textual about it and but creating new stories out of it and it's always been very very big part of fandom but i think it's been misjudged and misaligned a lot because of the fact that it was primarily a women-centered thing yeah um i would say that the the uh, fan fiction is when um a pre-existing property or concept uh, exists um, that an original idea um, in a sort of fictive context exists. Um, for example, a television show, Star Trek, and um, it has its own official storyline, characters, plots, situations. And when a viewer watches it and um, is engaged with it on a level for which they can then tell their own stories set inside that already established fictive universe, and yet are different from what is presented in a canonical context. That's the difference between canonical and non-canonical. If it's canonical, then it's, uh, yeah, then it's from and... Um, uh, understood to be the official storyline and the, you know, the sort of um, the powers that be are the ones who decide what is canonical. And then a fan is able to go in and um, build from those things because they're, they don't have to hew to canon if they don't want to. They can if they, will, if they, can if they like, but they don't have to. Uh, but uh, they, they create their own um, they create their own fictive works based on this established canonical property and its characteristics. And the canonical property doesn't have to be um, all of the elements of the uh, quote-unquote original work. Um, so, for instance, you know, perhaps you um, just take a couple of the characters and put them in into a completely different situation. Mm -hmm. um, for example, uh, as we were mentioning earlier, the um, much discussed and yet maligned but beloved coffee shop alternative universes. <laughs> much maligned, for sure. <laughs> much maligned, and yet, and yet, um, one of the most popular. prolific. Yeah. <laughs> what are the coffee shop uh, alternative so, universes? Basically, the premise is this: you take the characters that exist within the story and you put them into a coffee shop setting. So you'll have somebody working behind the counter, and you'll have somebody that comes to the coffee shop every day. And so the whole idea is it's this domestic. Very simplified, very um, kind of kind of sitcommy, sitcommy setting, yeah. Like I mean, if you think about Friends, that all took place in a coffee shop, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's probably the actual source of why that kind of uh, like captured the imagination of a fandom, where these sort of roles of you know the kind of the, the kind of like almost as pre-established roles of the people who run the coffee shop, the people who own the coffee shop, who are usually not the same ones who are running it, and then you have the patrons of the coffee shop, and you have the other people who are in the neighborhood that the coffee shop exists in, mm -hmm. and then you can easily uh, extrapolate the characters from a different f from a different uh, situation onto these, and then they interact. Mm -hmm. and you, you wind them up and you let them go. 
So yeah, it's probably friends that made people think of that, which really I'm, just <laughs> I'm I'm skeptical. It's very disappointing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm skeptical of of wanting wanting to position friends as this kind of uh, as a as a major touchstone. Maybe 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 one maybe a key touchstone. Well, you could but, look at like Cheers, for example. You have yes, everybody in a the bar. A room. You have a one setting, and then you have everybody interact with that one, with that one setting. So yeah, yeah. But I think the part of this also has to do with. Um, not only the, the kinds of universes or worlds that we see in popular culture, but also the worlds we inhabit uh, on a, in, a daily, in a daily life. A lot of folks that write, write in coffee shops. They go to coffee shops to do the work that they're doing. Um, and so the coffee shop becomes their world. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a sort of like, it becomes a microcosm of a general society that is widely understood by a by a, um, the majority of the reading audience. Yeah, and I think too, I think a lot of fanfic revolves around a little bit more of the domesticity aspect of it, things. I don't know if you've experienced that with your fandoms, but a lot of what they're trying to get mm. to is the characters are in a setting that is known to the reader and the writer, and it brings it down to a level where you can focus more on the interpersonal relationships rather than the driving drama or conflict that might be behind it the plot as it were yeah and take, going off of that t- uh that that point of particular fandoms let's say can you all talk about i guess um your particular you know your particular fandoms and like kind of what led you into the um the more meta aspects of the you know the, the meta writing as it were when when i was younger um the first thing i really loved in a really intense and passionate uh, all involving kind of way was Nine Inch Nails, and um, but which album? Uh, Pretty Hate Machine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 then you know from there for many years. Um, Just making sure. So I was probably probably downward spiral is like the end of my most intense or just the intense period probably ended after that. Um, <clears throat> so, but but I uh, I didn't. You know, I didn't engage in you know writing anything. I wasn't aware uh, that there might be a world out there for creating new content that was um, based around um, you know, based around Trent Reznor or based around um, the music. But it was something I was a like a, a really passionate fan of, and it occupied a lot of a lot of space in in my in my mind and in and in my emotional life. Um, many years later. Um, there are other things I've always been fans of, you know, um, I've always, you know, been a fan, uh, since, since, um, you know, I think it was 1992 when Sounds of the Lambs came out, um, and mm-hmm. I was introduced to the concept of Hannibal Lecter, always a, a fan of Hannibal Lecter. Um, and so when this new, uh, television show came out in 2013, I was very excited to, to check it out right away. There are a few things that would spur me to want to see, you know any, any kind of pop culture thing like immediately as soon as it was available but i was interested enough for this and it immediately blew me away and i was hooked throughout the whole you know the whole thing and i still didn't have any any um it hadn't occurred to me to try and pursue anything else with it um you know in between the seasons i you just rewatch the episode yeah, some more. Yeah, yeah, I just watch the episode some more, or or I just you know whine about you know like how I couldn't wait for the next season to start, you know. But 
um, after it was over, I just I, I couldn't I couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't take it. Um, bitter and, tears were wept. I know, I know, and bitter tears, bitter, bitter. Uh, and um, my very good friend um, is is um, a big Stucky shipper and is is engaged with a number of fandoms, and. S- you know, it was big. Uh, as a definition, Stucky. Oh yes, uh, Steve. she, Steve, and uh, Steve Rogers and, Bucky, and Barnes. Bucky Barnes of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Universe in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a sort of portmanteau word um, for relationships, um, it's a very popular um, thing in general, I guess. But uh, in fandom, it's a huge, huge factor creating these portmanteau. Words to describe a relationship Every between ship two characters. Has a portmanteau. Every ship has a portmanteau, Within, even like, if it's not a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> even the crack ones. Even and especially the crack ones. That's where it gets fun. And we'll also define crack at a later time. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about space dogs and space chickens. <laughs> um. <laughs> Delicious crack. Oh. Astute listeners will remember our episode. Was it was it your first episode on? Mm-hmm. Uh, Natasha, where we talked about the John Locke conspiracy. So, yeah. Anyway, um, when when shippers go off the rails, mm-hmm. this is a topic that I'm very familiar with. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But um, uh, I think, should wrap up. Should oh, I wrap up? Yeah, no. please, 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 please continue. Anyway, I um, it was through my friend's involvement with um, with uh, MCU fandom that I I started looking uh, into what what might be fandom for Hannibal, and there it was and I started reading it and the next thing I knew I couldn't do or think anything else yeah. and yeah. it had to become my next academic project mm-hmm. <laughs> and, because it uh, became your entire world and so you tried to figure out something you could do to actually like continue your life inside of this new realm that is the magic of Hanagram fan works oh uh, yeah but yes but but yeah so Hannah Graham, Hannibal uh, Lecter, and Will Graham, the FBI profiler who mm. um, first recognizes that Hannibal Lecter is a cannibalistic serial killer. Um, canon relationship, by the way, ladies uh, and yeah. gentlemen. Yes, yes, canon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's canonical. <laughs> but but only but but this is this again is is, is you know very meta because the. Um, the canon for the TV show is certainly not the same as canon for the series of movies or or, or the novels. Yeah. Um, so there's these multiple. Um, In a major way, Hannibal, the TV show, is, is a fan work yes. based on the original novels, mm-hmm. not necessarily the movies. Yes. So um, yeah, it's a, a Hannibal as a, a as a TV show and as a sort of like. Uh, as a sort of like conceptual phenomenon is uh is is really interesting in the kind of larger study of what fan works are and kind of you know do they have a responsibility to uh hew to an original canon or is there wiggle room there and what what is it that you can actually get away with and what are the spaces in which you can actually get away with more variation on um from the original canonical situation and relationships. Exactly. It's a yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a it's it's a deep, deep. A rich tapestry. Deep, rich tapestry with yeah. minefields yeah. scattered throughout. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it fun. How about you? 
Um, I'm sorry for interrupting so much. No, I'm, um, I'm, it's all good. Thank you. Because uh, I also am a very, 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 very passionate fan of Hannibal and a passionate fan of pretty much all Hannibal-based fan works, um, Hanagram and otherwise, um, and... I've engaged really, I've engaged pretty deeply on that level with a lot of fans internationally uh, because it's, because there's such a, there's a really high level of kind of discourse. There's a really high level of thought and creativity that goes into um, creating the fan works based on Hannibal. Um, so we're going to excitedly talk about that quite a lot. Um, for me, um, my sort of history of fandom and fan works is it goes way back in a really like kind of it's it's kind of alarming um i've been a super passionate star wars fan since i was i believe seven eight years old um because um Star Wars A New Hope, the original film, was uh, put back into theatrical release in the months before its sequel, uh, The Empire Strikes Back, was released in theaters. Uh, I saw Star Wars A New Hope when, in its original theatrical run when I was four years old, but I fell asleep um, because I was four. Yeah. And so I didn't really remember it very much, but... Um, uh, members of my family had seen it and they enjoyed it a lot and so they took me to see it again in the months before The Empire Strikes Back came out and I was completely completely drawn in and then when I saw The Empire Strikes Back a few months after that my life was like very 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 profoundly changed. Mm -hmm. I was very I was very emotionally and very physically, physically affected by the experience of seeing that film um, I feel like it was my first experience with um, really seeing a movie on uh, a more mature and more uh, complex level than I had been able to before because I was I was a little tiny kid, but in a way that that was that that was my first experience. Um, seeing a, seeing a movie with a more adult perspective on my part, um, and it you know really just generated an insane amount of you know when you're a kid it's not it's not quite as unusual to uh, be a really passionate fan of yeah. something it's 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 you know by society it seemed to be a lot more acceptable it's a lot more normal um and you know so i was hugely into it i would play let's pretend i would um i read the novelizations over and over and over and over again in, including cre um writing uh, sort of metatextual notes in the margins generally taking the form of uh what i learned much later after uh experiencing the rocky horror picture show uh and then Mystery Science Theater was me creating comedy riffs based on responses to the actual dialogue in the film and in the books. And so I would like think of a funny, like a funny joke would occur to me and I would write it in the margin of the novelization. And I also didn't have very many books. So I read those books over and over and over again. And I read the... Um, the oh. Brian Daly Han Solo novels over and over, like literally hundreds, thousands of times. Um, 
And when I was, and then I saw uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark when it came out, and I wrote my, and I created my first fan work when I was, I guess I would have been uh, nine. I wrote and illustrated a 30 page uh, comic strip. Um, inserting myself and my friends into a new adventure with Indiana Jones, um, where we were basically just being obnoxious little kids. Oh, one, one quick question I have in terms of like the, it's, it, it's interesting to talk about how fan, how genre fandom existed, mm-hmm. uh, outside, um, in the before time, like mm-hmm. before, you know, before, before people knew about it. Well, not just that. Well, well, yeah, yeah, bef- the pre-internet era, right? Well, yeah. Pre-internet, but also before, uh, before the, before the, before, um, you know, genre entertainment and nerd shit just was subsu- acceptable. subsumed all of yeah. pop culture. Yeah. Before it won, quote unquote, but it was, but it was kind mm-hmm. of a thing of. That's the thing of like just instead of having an entire industry of say like licensed novels mm-hmm. for proper. Um, my question is is because um, I'm thinking back of the because um, you mentioned the Star Wars novels mm-hmm. and um, it's in which cor- correction the Star Wars novelizations <laughs> the novelizations yeah. specifically how, yeah how, um, the 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 author of the first novelization ghost wrote it for George Lucas was Alan Dean Alan Foster Dean that's right Foster my large nemesis no, I, I, I love him to death he's also just so campy he's a, he's a friend of a friend of mine's parents oh nice like actually in person and apparently he's like absolutely delightful i think that these days he's a horrifically bad writer yeah. and he should really stop yeah please do not but write the I next you, novelization man. for star wars because the force awakens God. one oh. kills our fandom the, um he was oh, he was bad. he was the first science fiction writer i really got into because my dad uh my dad being the my dad was a massive um like sci-fi paperback mm-hmm. 70s and 80s head mm-hmm. and so i would always have like these uh, alan dean foster books around mm-hmm. so i just you know 12 year old me like hey we'll grab it and start reading yeah hey it's a book it looks kind of cool it's got spaceships on the cover i'll totally read this yeah. mm-hmm. can, but, I, can i just mention in terms of your question the thing that i grew up with is it was pre-internet in terms of well i kind of grew up right when the internet was nascent but we couldn't really access anything because it was shared computers for your family so you we wouldn't really go looking for you know, slash fic. Um, not until <laughs> high school that happened. Uh, Gundam was a huge formative instinct for me. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, like for a lot, that was the era of self insert, and yeah. I think that self insert was what we all probably grew That's, up with if we started writing it, early enough. Yeah, for a lot of for fan fiction writers in general, almost all of them started by inserting themselves into mm-hmm. the story and your friends, of course, and your friends, yeah. you know, as applicable. And I think it's a really important uh, sort of like first step mm-hmm. into um, sort of uh, creating new concepts out of a concept that you know very well because you're a fan yeah. and that because you have engaged with it so much and so personally that inserting yourself into the story just makes logical sense. Yeah. Especially if it's with a character that's kind of undervalued within the text, right? Yeah. So a lot of time you would do a self-insert with a character that you wouldn't necessarily have a canon relationship with. You know, like they're kind of undervalued and underserved within the narrative, so you want to see them have, you know, something happen. And you can also, you're also obsessed with that character, so you're writing from the perspective of, well, I'm going to detail all of their personalities and all of their um, canon background. So are you saying that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is dead is... is- Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it totally it, it is. It totally is. Who's serve? Uh, hesitation, loved one. Who's go? Why? 
Why not? What for? No, no synonyms. Wallow. What in God's name is going on? Foul, no rhetoric, 2-1. What does it all add up to? Can't you guess? Are you addressing me? Is there anyone else? Who? How would I know? Why do you ask? Are you serious? Was that rhetoric? No! Statement. <laughs> Two-all game point. What's the matter with you today? When? What? Are you deaf? Am I dead? Yes or no? Is there a choice? Is there a god? Foul. No non-sequiturs. Three, two, one, game all. What's your name? What's yours? You first. Statement. One love. What's your name when you're at home? What's yours? When I'm at home? Is it different at home? What home? Haven't you got one? Why do you ask? What are you driving at? What's your name? Repetition. Two love. Match point. Who do you think you are? Frederick, game and match. Match, 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 match. It's it one totally of my favorite is. movies for that reason, too. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Stoppard is one of the best fan fiction writers that there ever has been. Between Stoppard and um uh um oh gosh. Musicals guy. I'm I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Uh um <laughs> Sondheim? Oh, I lost again. Sondheim. Yeah, Sondheim. They are some of the best fan fiction writers that there ever has been. And yet, in most cases, if you ask, you know, a, a particularly more stuffy academic, if you said that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, is fan fiction, they would, you know, they would be very offended by that <laughs> idea. Except that there literally is no difference between what they're doing and what you know, um, eight-year-old in Poughkeepsie is doing writing fanfic about Yoki about Neo Yokio. That's yeah. very oh. true, and fan art actually falls into that, right? And like fan art, yes. People malign fan art, and they're like, "Are you just going to draw fan art?" And no, you know, think about the Renaissance period. It mm -hmm. was all fan art of the Bible and of the eight individual paintings they'd seen before them. Exactly. So they were just copying. The, the Bible is the most fanfic <laughs> piece of uh, <laughs> literature there ever has been. Exactly. Well, shared well, yeah, shared cultural sources. In a it, before mass media, mm -hmm. exactly. This is how this is how the this is how these concepts are actually propagated throughout culture is by fan interpret is by enthusiast interpretations of the original texts. Yeah, and the fact that you know we have a pre-existing term fan and fan fiction is it, it just kind of it it colors it in a way that makes it unacceptable for you know, a, a, a certain level of populace. It, it, uh, it, it removes its, it tends to uh, lessen its legitimacy in yeah. a way. What, you mean there's something wrong with fanaticism? Fanatics. <laughs> Everything in order, Mr. Dickens? No, it is not. What did he say? Uh, let me say this first. I'm not without a sense of humor. Dickens. Yes. Charles Dickens. Yes. The Charles Dickens. You've got to remove the gentleman, sir. Charles Dickens, you're brilliant, you are. Completely, 100% brilliant. I've read them all. Great Expectations, Oliver Twist, and what's the other one? The, the, the one with the ghost. Christmas Carol? No, 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 no. The one with the trains. The signalman. That's it. Terrifying. The best short story ever written. You're a genius. You want me to get rid of him, sir? Uh, no, I think he can stay. Honestly, Charles, uh, can I call you Charles? I'm such a big fan. Uh, 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 what? Big what? Fan. Number one fan. That's me. How exactly are you a fan? 
In what way do you resemble a means of keeping oneself cool? No, it means fanatic, devoted to. Mind you, I've got to say, that American bit of Martin Chuzzlewit, what's that about? Was that just padding or what I mean? It's rubbish, that bit. I thought you said you were my fan. Oh, well, if you can't take criticism. Um, anyway, so, like, that was my first experience doing uh, fan work, and I had no idea that anybody else had ever done such a thing, and um, I wish I still had that, you know, that... that that Period. cartoon strip because it was kind of amazing totally genius i'd never done anything like that before um i'd almost never written i think it was my first actual creative writing project as well and i wrote some other creative writing like short stories or whatever you know just to prove that i could as like you know extra credit or some crap in elementary school because i was bored and i started actually writing actual fan fiction um Mostly about um, the band Duran Duran. Yes. First of all, yes. with a sort of with doing a sort of self-insert form of story, and then as I got more and more into the actual sort of like mechanics of writing and plotting, uh, I myself, as well as you know, plenty of other you know terrible things happening in my life that made me wish to sort of diminish my my uh my interaction with even a fictive world i mean i wanted to interact less with the real world but i even wanted to interact i wanted to remove myself even from a fictive world and so instead the stories became just about the members of the band themselves and the relationships that i saw that were potentially you know that could happen between them because it was kind of hot and I it just kind of went and it just kind of exploded from there can I ask what uh, in the self-insert stories? What was your relation to the band? Were you, were you, was your character, was you slash your character uh, like f w uh, in the fan universe? Fan universe. I got. <laughs> were you like fan, in the in, were, in, were in you, the fictive sphere? In the fictive sphere, were you like their manager or no. just fan? Or no, I was just I was just a hot chick that they were interested in. Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, an adult doing you know living the sort of life that I kind of fantasized that I wanted for myself. You know, 18, New York City, living as a model or something like that. And then I would meet them and then we would, you know, have hot sex. Three and, sons, um, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, believe. oh and then more some. some. And more some. Because, yes, I love them all to this very day. Yes, they're all hot. I love you all. I love you. Um, but, like, as time Same. went on, I began to, A, believe less in the validity of self-fantasy. Um, I believe I began to, to disbelieve and uh, to, to the point where it became kind of offensive to me, where it still kind of is, of believing, of creating fantasy uh, experiences and identities for oneself is I began to feel that it was very, that it was... Masturbatory? Not even just masturbatory, because I don't have any problem with masturbation, mm -hmm. but yeah. that Good. it's Good. just um, thinking of oneself as, you know, kind of creating these fantasy identities for oneself um, removes any importance or validity of the life that you're actually living right mm -hmm. now. Oh, yeah. So how about just don't fantasize don't 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 make don't have fantasies about the things that you would love to be mm -hmm. or the things that you hope that you're going to be no actually just focus on what you're actually doing and it's easier in that way to just remove yourself from a fanta from a, a fantastic story altogether and say actually i don't 
I don't exist in that realm. And then later, as it goes along, you realize that, no, you are the entirety of that fic- of that fictive realm. And so it's not even just so much removing yourself from it. It's f- your yourself begins, you, your you individuality God. suffuses the entirety of this universe that you've created in your head. You don't have to have a little avatar of yourself in there because you are all of it. Mm-hmm. Everything that you've thought of is also you. It's actually coming from the real you. That is much more valuable than any fantasy avatar that you can have and then stick them in a story and say, well, you know, I'm hot and I have purple eyes and red hair and uh, <laughs> I'm a princess and I get to have all the hot sex. It's always like that. Right? Yeah, yes, and it's always like that. It's like, how about actually honor for, honoring your actual self and your actual ability to be creative and your like like the idea that you even that you can do these things that you are able to even think of these things negates the fact that you it is it removes the the necessity of having a little you know having having a version of yourself in the story i was gonna say how does um and to reference a uh, to reference a a film you brought you mentioned earlier, mm. where does "Don't Dream It, Be It" fit in? Mm. Um, "Don't Dream It, Be It" um, is a wonderful rallying cry for everybody, which I I think is true. Um, that if you do create these sort of if if you do create a sort of fantasy avatar for yourself and you fantasize yourself in this you know glorious way and you're and you're famous and you live in New York City and you're a model and all that stuff well well it's I it's worth a try to just actually try to do that in your real life if you can't do that because yeah it doesn't really work that way the tension between what you always what you fantasize that you always wanted to be and what you actually are in real life is that's 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 a that's a topic for that that's a different topic and it's massive and it's massively important but in the in the context of um fan works um I think that there are better or uh, more sophi- more and less sophisticated ways of approaching that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of the the Rocky Horror Picture Show, God bless it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the it's less the the film itself and more the concept of yeah. the yeah. meta experience of yeah. watching yeah. the film socially and responding to the film and using you know the pre-existing um uh response lines to the film and i began very quickly to you know i first you know quickly memorized all the usual response lines and then realized that i could actually come up with my own ones and that i can come up with fresh ones every time i have more response lines and there's actual running time in the movie the um it was a, yeah, at one point when you have to when you learn certainly um, learning the hard way of how to edit one's own uh, how to edit yourself how to edit for time yeah like, and oh. learning comic timing and learning exactly like what is the, what is the pacing of a TV program what is the pacing of a movie can you speak a line in the available space that you have if you can't don't do it yeah. if you can though 
Yeah. Do it quick and it, say it loud, and maybe you'll get. Then maybe the crowd will respond. Right. Sometimes they won't. Maybe they not. But it's a. I mean, it's basically like I. I based uh, Rocky Horror, uh, which I went to every single week for I think almost three years. Um, it was essentially like me doing like open mic stand up to an audience of like six people who yeah. were pretty much not listening to me. <laughs> but it was great it's practice. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, but I think the, the the interesting thing about Rocky Horror is that it's. In, well, encourages particip like participation, mm -hmm. um, not only of in the response, mm -hmm. but also you it, the rare venue where you have um, both audience responding to it, but also audience members um, enact you know performing. Yeah, the shadow cast. Yeah, the shadow cast. You know, performing what is on you know on the assuming there's an area for them to perform, and this got this was really really weird mm -hmm. at the State Theater in Ann Arbor, <laughs> where because of how the because of the State Theater, which was much like how the Hollywood Theater in Portland, mm -hmm. had the, their upper screening rooms were chopped off from were the chopped off balcony sections. Mm -hmm. Same thing in the State Theater. It was the State Theater, wasn't it? <laughs> One on, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the State Theater in Ann Arbor. So, to, but it was that was where I f saw my first, um, like the first live performance because I was not allowed to go to downtown Flint on <laughs> Devil's Night to see yeah, it. Not surprised uh, <laughs> to see it on uh, you know growing up the the live shows there. Even though my babysitter was a uh, one of my babysitters and who was also a student of, of my mom's at, uh, at at her high school was an active participant in at one point in an eventual organizer of the uh, of like the at least the production if you will in flint mm -hmm. but uh in the, the and i only bring up the state theater because of it uh, of it was that that weird like they didn't really you know whereas most movie theaters were were they always, they always had the stage mm -hmm. because the state theater were like these upper screening rooms you had this weird there wasn't really a stage so much as like a just a capped off like they didn't really have like a it was like this weird angled capped off what was it, like a weird angled capped off floor or something um where some people could try to you know kind of jump up on this thing and do whatever <laughs> it was really really hard when you try to get like a character in a wheelchair around there mm -hmm. but yeah anyway <laughs> That's great. So That's there's great. that. Uh, Can we take a quick break? Yeah, I was going to say, let's, let's take a quick yeah. break and then um, be right back and then it'll be Natasha's turn. We can, we can, we can cover this in my thing, right? I was going to say, let's... Uh, yeah, let's... And we'll go immediately into it. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, let's see. Uh, switching, I think we had one point trend... Um, boop, boop. I, I think uh, it's uh, Natasha. Uh, your turn for I guess um, if you want to, you know, because uh, you've talked about your your history of fandom, but also I guess that had led you into the, the more fictive realm. Yeah. So I grew up on fan fiction a lot, and I I said masturbatory in terms of self insert because <laughs> I would only write self insert with my friends and myself, and I also uh -huh. did not actually experience masturbation until my twenties. Oh. So this will lead a life of sorrow, and mm. yeah, or understandably, and also creative fiction. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of the greatest writers were virgins. Uh, for a long time, you know, Emily Dickinson for a long time, uh, Lovecraft. Okay, well, we're not going to go down the road, but um, long story. Emily was getting some. She was getting some, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, long story short, I've always been a huge fan, and I've always appreciated the whole fanfic element of it, but I actually dropped off from that part of the internet for a long time. I was on LiveJournal. I was kind of just dabbling in it. I was reading sometimes, but, you know, when fanfiction.net was out, 
what happened with that was that it was very scrubbed of sexuality mm-hmm. and it didn't have a lot to go on like the best fic that i read was always written by my friends because they would they would be have no qualms about writing sexuality into it and so i never really engaged with that part of fandom until i hit the force awakens and so what happened was i went to the force awakens i watched it i processed it i went and saw it again and I went and saw it again, and I went and saw it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And I had this moment where I was like, I love every single one of these characters. I want to see all of these characters and what they can do. Yeah. I am also going to jump into the next two years of canon and find everything I can about the story and fucking just delve into it. <laughs> and when you do that, like, you go off a fucking cliff because <laughs> you do. You, you, I'm sure you've all experienced this with Hannibal, right? Like, you look into the, the production notes, you look into the scripts, you look mm-hmm. into the novelizations, you look into mm-hmm. whatever, right? Storyboards. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I started writing meta around it. And that was where I kind of got into, like, if you're going to do something with it, try to be academic at it, but, like, not really, because I'm not really academic, because, obviously, I'm just a noob. But, but what, <laughs> I mean, what is, what are those differences? There are no differences, right? I mean, it, it's a matter of, is it somebody edited it and somebody looked over it first? Probably not. But can people respond to it and call you out on it? Absolutely, which is nice, right? Like, especially on a platform like Tumblr, right? It was an interesting experience, because I put out my stuff, I talked about what I thought the story was about, which I was, like, very simple okay, this is a female-centered story, which you don't get very often in terms of big movies, especially Star Wars. And then you go, well, what does a feminine-centered journey look like? A feminine-centered journey looks like the heroine's journey, which is different than the hero's journey. And here's who's to study the hero's heroine's journey. Very, very few people have. Mm-hmm. I mean, since Joseph Campbell came out with the hero's journey, it's always been the same arc. And they assume women just fit into that role, but they really don't. There's a whole... There's it's, a, it's a different... There's a different pattern yeah, of events. Exactly. Different pattern of events. Whether you have, like, the fact that they usually don't have a bladed weapon, they usually use, like, stuff that's more soft, right? But, like, hard still? Or... Bow and arrow, ranged weapon. Yeah. Um, they have the descent, which is the modeling of the Hades-Persephone dynamic, which is very commonly put into not just male and female tropes, but also to male male foot tropes as well. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the idea that you have to go into the underworld in order to pass through it and to come out into the light. And that's part of the female journey that I talked about. I wrote a lot of words on it. I met up with some really wonderful ladies that also wrote up a lot of words on it. My friend wrote 10,000 words on it and like highly cited, like to the point where nice. she got like thousands of, of followers in like a very short period of time just because mm-hmm. of what she was writing about. So you know, we went through this kind of transformative period where we all responded very heavily to The Force Awakens, and we all kind of solidified on this point. And then when we realized that it wasn't a very popular opinion, that's when things started to change. And I'm sure you've all experienced aunties in the Hanagram fandom, but probably sure. not as much as we have. Please just please uh, elaborate on the concept of aunties. Yeah. You've, you know about aunties, right? I'm not sure I do. They're pronounced aunties, depending on where you're from. Yeah. Aunties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, please define anti fans. Anti fans and antis are antis are antis of anything, right? Like you can be an anti of. It's, it's, Is it like being a hater? Yes. Okay. It's exactly like being a hater. Okay. It's like being a hater and trying to intellectually justify haters being a hater. To the left, I don't. I don't talk with haters. I don't even. I don't even see Same. haters. That, you just hit that log button. Get them out of your life. That's yeah, the I'm only like, way that you could experience yeah. fandom. That's why we got haters. That's why we got haters. Haters everywhere we go. Haters everywhere we go. Haters everywhere we go. Where we go? Haters going down for the count. But there are a lot of people that, that you know, that, that they're, that's the way that they do it on, on social media, that they'll be mm. constantly hating on something. And oh, they actually yeah. they hate yeah. on it more 
than anything else. Like, you would be more involved as a hater than you would be as a lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did experience a lot of that with, um, you know, that magical experience we all know as heroes. Mm-hmm. Where, um, yeah, um, I got into rather a lot of the unpleasant interactions with people who um, would accuse me uh, personally of being um, racist, sexist, Mm -hmm. uh, just a reductionist thing because uh, my fandom on the show, which they had um, uh, uncovered uh, their own problems with. Personal issues. Their their personal issues with, as well as uh, dismissing my own um, mode of engagement with the show, which in which is on a, it's a sort of multi-level approach where there's an appreciation for there's just an actual just appreciation for what I'm being shown and the artistry of what's going into it and the amount of work that goes into it as well as a sort of like you know more uh, arch amused mm-hmm. uh, ex- like appreciation of it as a work of of conscious and self-conscious camp yeah. um, in a superhero context mm-hmm. and that the show in a, in a lot of ways was a brilliant sort of self-commentary on on um, the sort of like tropes of superhero comics and the way that they use um, the, the structures of soap opera mm-hmm. to uh, extend and expand on a story and if I brought those things up, then, um, yeah, it would just descend into just like interpersonal ugliness. And it was yeah. just really, it was a very unpleasant experience. And so from that point on, I pretty much just stopped talking about it altogether. Yeah, don't and engage. I don't mention it publicly at all because I just got really, really tired of hearing the exa- And also just the, the specific patterns and phraseology that's used to, uh, to, provide a negative opinion on the show yeah it's exactly the same wording as though they're receiving it from a sort of like central server of yeah. if you don't like the show you have to say exactly these words in this order yeah and the same tired arguments like, over and oh. over and again i was called a um i was called Weird. a lusty soccer mom a <laughs> rape fetishist um the rape fetishist part was the fun part yeah. because i was engaging not just on tumblr but i was engaging on reddit and mm-hmm. actually I am personally responsible for the zeitgeist movement on Reddit on the Star Wars speculation sub where they were able to talk about the topic without being... Um, basically there was a bunch of um, anti-feminist and misogynist bullshit that was on there and I kind of had a night with a wine bottle and posted this shit I was like literally like this is not Twilight it's a feminine centered narrative but it is not Twilight can you fucking get my point I don't like no there's what does this have there's nothing in common with Twilight this is the only story that you know because you're men you have no connection to the women in your lives Mm -hmm. you don't give a shit about the other female fans Mm -hmm. you talk over them all the time you actually send these kind of long screeds about how apparently I like to get raped and I love rape and rape and rape you know like there it was so horrible as a sexual assault survivor like having to deal with that like on a personal level I was like no wonder women don't speak up yeah. no wonder they don't talk about this yeah it's and then, so much easier to just completely disengage exactly. altogether and so I was like but I I, I was I was done I'm glad I, you did that work I, I've been in that and so when I did that I'm not I'm not like promoting myself here but I I mean it did change things like I had people come to me afterwards and were like thank 
fucking Christ, you yeah, said that. It's because a, and it's actually it okay to it. promote yourself, and you've really done something you should be proud of. Yeah. It's actually okay to promote yourself. I mean, the worst it's part better of it, than okay. I, I, yeah. I, got, I got doxxed over it. Mm. I, got, I, I had to leave Reddit entirely, which was fine. I totally needed to get out of that space anyway, because okay. it's obviously not that it's great. Because it's gross. Yeah, it's it gross. It is. And, and uh, you know, um, look my wounds, but also just sort of just realize that, you know, like, We've been existing in the space for a long time where things are maligned as as as, mm-hmm. as being and, and the the feminine is maligned, right? Yeah. And the, the the and female sexuality is the greatest evil that <sighs> humanity has ever created. Yeah. And the fact that they begin with that perspective, like that's where they start. Hey, that's where you start it's from. impossible to actually even vaguely engage in conversation at that point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hitting up because I've just found a connection point with uh, what we were talking about earlier. Um, going back to the history of fan fiction as a thing and fan writing, because mm-hmm. you were talking about women, women fan writers in in zines and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. I want to advance, going back to like the history of it, uh, okay. can, you, can we uh, talk about not just the, I guess, what, just say, what did, how did the internet change? And, you know, change or evolve or worsen or better uh, just the practice and phenomenon of fan fiction, because I think it, the Internet shows up, you know, you know, it, it hits some fandom like in the 80s because you got using it and whatnot. And then it get you know, this broad thing by in the, the mid 90s. Right. I'm, I'm just going to give a explosion. shout out to Archive of Our Own because it yeah. changed fan fiction for the better. Oh, yeah. It's Thank awesome. goodness. Uh, a quick rundown, if you would, of what was... What was it? What is that? Our cover? Yeah, at first it was um, archive of our own. Oh, well, even before, yes. yeah. So even even before that, she had our coven of our own. Like even well, before that, you were just like individual sites, right? Like well, and even the... even before that, so you yeah. had you know you, you had you know the mailing you had the mailing lists and zines and mm-hmm. and, and, so, like... and then like people's personal websites mm-hmm. where yep. they would just post particular fan works you know in a section but just you know your basic html number one, uh, 1.0 and so they would post their creative works there mm-hmm. and then also in that same format you could then also post them and share them on usenet yeah usenet and gopher because that's yeah. that's what I, I first encountered it i first encountered fan fiction myself mm-hmm. you know, in an internet form um, uh, dialing in through, you know, dialing into, I think it was like Michigan State's statewide server in 93, 94. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah. And seeing that stuff on, you know, just, and just seeing the, yeah, the, the collected posts, you know, when people would, you know, people would post in story, um, <laughs> almost serialize them, but they, uh, on, <laughs> on using that posts, collect yeah. them into like, into like a single file. Mm-hmm. And that's how I uh, first encountered it. But okay. So then from there, Wild. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, like, this is not my area. No, no, we all know it. I mean, it, 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 it went into, um, it definitely went into social media at some point, just depending on what you were into. There was message boards, of course. Message boards were the safest place to post stuff, so you wouldn't be attacked personally. Mm-hmm. And then you would go on Live Journal. Mm-hmm. Live Journal became kind of the. And Live Journal was for a long time really the, the major place where, um, first on people's personal Live Journal accounts and then in, um, Live Journal groups. Mm-hmm that had a particular um, fandom interest focus and you could post your stories, you could send your stories there, you could post them there, you could send them to a moderator and then they would post them. And then that just got more and more and more granular as time went on and LiveJournal kind of proliferated. And then at the same time, 
other sort of um, platforms, other platforms, and other faces of um, being able to provide, you know, serve information on the internet were simultaneously um, a, uh, proliferating, and so gradually, LiveJournal began to lose its importance um, as the one place that people who wrote who wrote fan fiction would have a place to then put it. And for people who are readers of fan fiction, and I would say that um, when it comes to fan fiction, I would say that there are five readers who've never written anything to every writer. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's five to one now is amazing because I think it was probably when I, you know, first learned that fan fiction was a thing and that I was literally, and I was not the only person who'd ever done it. Um, which was, I think that was around 1987 mm -hmm. or so, and I uh, would buy collected, sort of like mimeographed collections of Star Trek fan fiction. Mm -hmm. From like just the 80s because, or the Yeah, 70s? from like the 80s, 70s and 80s, and I was just like, oh my god, someone else is doing this, and they write it about Star Trek? Oh, that's crazy! And then I read it, and I was like, oh, dude, that's really, really good. Oh, oh, I like this a whole lot. Yep. And in those days, you had to literally just go and buy it at places, or you would get onto like an actual like mail mailing list. Yes, but yeah. yeah, I think they were weren't they um, weren't they also like both the communication and also the, the uh, they were advertised in the. They should say fan interaction, but also advertising like the back of like Starlog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. they would actually like in the sort of like personals section at the ends in the backs of these um, general science fiction fandom magazines or in film fandom magazines, people would advertise that, you know, they're, you know, just that they w had a, a newsletter or something of the interest for this thing, Star Trek or Blake Seven or Doctor Who or whatever. And you'd send a, and you'd send a self-addressed stamped envelope to them and then they would send you back a thing and in some cases those were uh, a lot of the time like just a fandom zine in general would you know have like pictures from a convention or whatever or like somebody's like kind of recap breakdown of a, of a favorite episode or something and then they would also have a fan fiction story in there and and then like once you kind of had your your kind of that tag who these people were because they would have their contact information on their on their pieces and you could write directly to them and be like hey that story was dope as hell do you have any more and then they would send you more and then you'd become part of this like other strange like very you know very pointy headed and reclusive kind insular. of like fan community very insular and yet not really insular because they were not excluding anyone no exclusion. they were just very they were just very private about it because yeah. I literally didn't think that anyone else wrote fan fiction. I mean, when I was doing it, I was I was terrified that anyone would find out that I was writing this stuff. Right. The a, it was incredibly sexually explicit. Mm -hmm. I was 13 years old. Um, I'm and uh, that I was writing in my case, uh, writing about real people. I was writing RPF, mm -hmm. real people fic, about uh, bands, which I have continued to do actually, um, and that I really enjoy doing. And writing these kind of like fictive contexts for the for the characters as I understand them, who are actual real people, um, and but like I was terrified that anyone would find out that I was doing it because I was afraid that I would get sued. 
the, especially you mentioned yeah. uh, just to connect with that, and you also you mentioned that you were thirteen. Mm-hmm. I'm suddenly remembering um, talking about being thirteen and writing explicit things about real people. Mm-hmm. How much Bob's Burgers do you watch? What kind of a maniac wakes up an hour early to write erotic fan fiction? Me. Are there any shows or movies left in the world that you haven't perved up? No. That's why I've started writing erotic friend fiction, using people at school and zombies. Oh, do the janitor and the vice principal. I think they'd have beautiful children. I did, and they don't. I watched um, all the Bob's Burgers that's on Netflix, and I really wish that they had even more of it because I enjoy it a great deal. It's the most wonderful show in all kinds of ways. And yes, you're talking I, about Tina, aren't you? Yes, and yes Tina. Tina is great. <laughs> Tina, and, the oldest daughter. My spirit and animal. Tina is one of the is is one of the uh, very but, best things that's actually uh, ever happened to the concept of of young women yep. writing sexual fan works. Mm-hmm. Including about people in their real lives, yep. which God, I would never do that. That's new. No. no, I mean, and we, yet I really kind of wanted to because there was no way I was actually going to be able to, you know, go out with that boy. But I had to see him in class every time, and knowing that I'd already embarrassed myself by telling him that I thought he was cute, and then he told all of his friends, and then all of his friends would like. Uh, like punch me as they went past me in the hallway, and you know that was Jeez. my teenage years. Uh, that was that was that was actually the nicer side of things. Mm. There was a lot uglier versions of me ever um, showing that I was attracted to anybody. Been there. Uh, it was yeah, it was really ugly, and uh, to this day I have a hard time with it. Uh, unless someone is an actual celebrity, if someone's actually famous, I have no problems being like. You look amazing in those jeans. Right. They are. You should wear that all the time. You look fantastic. And they're like, oh, well, gosh. If I say that to somebody who's not a celebrity, they're just like, ah, get away from me. I'm calling the cops. I'm going to mace you. So God bless celebrities because yeah. at least they're like, oh, yeah, people like the way to... I look. This okay. is cool. So, um, so, you know, you have, you have live journal. And mm-hmm. and you get then you get fanfiction.net. And there's fanfiction.net. And, and, and what then I don't know lemons. is how how is how it is that fanfiction.net differs from AO3. Oh, it's hilarious, actually. The Thank main you. difference I would say is that fanfiction.net went on a sort of like purge mm-hmm. where they first of all made sure that it became. Um, um, ban- uh, RPF was banned, and then. Anything past a certain level of sexual explicitness was banned. Mm-hmm. Oh, who would ever want to like read that stuff then? Exactly. I mean, it sounds so boring. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And they also but have this whole. They, they chased ha- everybody off. Yeah, there's a great history of it. I'll send you a link to it. Oh, thank own. you. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, it's really hilarious. It's like a it's a it's a breakdown of what happened because it was started kind of out of the blue by one person and he did not know what he was getting into. <laughs> oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, he was like a college student. Anyway, like they had to keep setting parameters, right? And then the the parameter where they went on the purge, I think, was the whole idea that uh, younger people were being sexualized henceforth it's pedophilia right yeah yeah and so because they, because people until they're 18 don't have any sexuality oh yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and that you cannot actually write about someone under the, the age of 18 having sexual feelings or experiences because you might get sued because that's really 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 and not cool so grabbed onto that the suing thing came actually out of Anne Rice so Anne Rice actually <laughs> literally sued people over fan fiction yeah yeah so yeah. Um, She's great with yeah, that. she yeah. So like That's Metallica. Why. Fuck you, Anne Rice. Fuck you, Anne Rice. It's over between us. Yeah. It's so, been over for a long time. This, yeah. Our podcast, of course, is a platform that welcomes uh the boldest of stances. Oh <laughs> good. 
Holy shit snacks. Fuck you, Anne Dramatic takes are welcome and not uh, not turned away I, here. You know what? I just, I just think about how her fandom could have actually grown Working shirt her, balls. Like, like listening to her fans and actually experiencing it because it was extremely well, slashed. The nice thing about it is the fact that her writing is so incredibly bad these days that, you know, yeah. she really doesn't need anyone's help anymore. No. She needs to actually just, I don't know, work on um, literary prowess in a way that you just, know just just, read rant, just, just read don't just stop writing and just stop please god just stop just stop writing it's really bad it's really no good you haven't written a good book since 1978 you didn't, you didn't have to combine your vampire and lasher series come on guys mm. Um, okay, so so what what years did fan did, what were the years like for fanfiction.net? It was um early aughts, late 90s, right? Yeah, early late 90s, so like 90, 98, 99 at the very earliest and then by the early aughts, like uh, around like t- 2001, 2002. Big place for Harry Potter fanfic. That, That's yeah, why it was also, so scrubbed of sexuality. Yeah, and exactly. It actually later on became a little bit more sexualized. Yeah, and uh, now uh, fanfiction.net has, and it does still have a massive archive of very, like, there's a lot of really good, like, yes, like that, that has, a, it ha- though there's a lot of work on there that has a lot of literary merit and has yeah. a lot of really good, like, you know, a really good, you know, original ideas about the subjects that they're working on, except for that if you want any ideas of sexuality outside of the most tame and fluffy PG rated. Or there's not even heavy petting. It's just fade to black. It's like maybe one kiss every chapter. (laughs) And so if, if, like me, you're part of the reason why you're interested in fan fiction is because it's one of the easiest and it's one, and it's a free way of being able to see new voices and new concepts in the ideas of, sex yeah. altogether for sure it, uh, yeah the, the i think the two things that i wanted to bring up both uh connecting to both i think your your timeline and also man this is a hell of a this is an extended subject yeah um, it really is the, it's huge the two things that i wanted to uh ask about were both um fan shipping but also when and how or say when and why did a lot of this uh head towards tumblr of all, because uh, it seems like a, of all the Tumblr. of all the newer platforms, um, why did it go from say LiveJournal to I think it effectively like, Tumblr became like the like the like the, the one of the main places for it. Yeah, Not it, it became a, the kind of number one sort of like fandom. Destination in general. Yeah, I was like, do you have any? But, can you talk about? Yeah, it's like why? Uh, but yeah. it is also but it's it, it is also in its decline. It is, and I'm not entirely sure exactly why that is. Um, um, I so, can tell you in five seconds. Yeah, tell me. Um, so they decided to do the same thing that uh, Facebook does, for example, and yeah. post instead of getting a timeline feed where you're actually seeing things as they're posted, you're oh, actually their stuff is getting, boosted. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so on, they're sponsored yeah. posts. Algorithm. I yeah. have noticed that a little bit, but yeah. I just, I just fail. I just now don't see that. Like I have like a like a cognitive like advertising filter mm-hmm. in my brain where I literally don't see or perceive advertising. It just doesn't. It 
doesn't connect to my optic nerve. I just like whoosh. I don't even see it. So I just like skip down and I'm just like, I need more, more Mad Max Fury Road Mm -hmm. fan art from that one artist. That's the one thing about Tumblr that was better than LiveJournal, right? Like Tumblr is a perfect feed for actual art. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the fandoms that you were actually part of. Like, (laughs) Anagram has some of the best and most, like, like, um, the most beautiful. It's not just fan the aesthetic, arts. but it's also sort of like all of the symbolism that's encapsulated yeah. into it. Like you guys have such great art, you know. Like, and there's yeah. been a lot of like actual um, um, people who have like gathered and curated fan works, art, and stories, and then um, self-published them and in hard copy them? form. That's and great. I have a couple of hardback uh, compilations of Hannibal fan sure. art and fan yes. works, and they are gorgeous. Yeah. Some of the most beautiful publications I've ever seen. Yeah. And they're not even strictly legal to produce, You're not which also to makes make it kind of sexy. Of them, but... but, you know, no, and no one is making money. Yeah. You you know people are uh, putting Kickstarter money into it for the production costs. The mm-hmm. people who are Patreon putting it to- yeah, yep. and the people who are putting it together don't get paid. They're doing it strictly for the love of it, and they're creating some of the most beautiful like publication products I've ever seen. Yeah. So I am especially hugely into uh, into Hannibal fandom for the 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 amount of care and sensitivity that they that they bring to uh, presenting fan works to the world not just making the fan works themselves but also sharing them with people it's incredibly sophisticated it's incredibly beautiful it's incredibly nuanced it's you know it's showing me whole new worlds of you know how things can be that i i never conceived of i just i i love it so i love my hannibal fandom so much i love you guys i love you guys too <laughs> as an outsider because you know you're above the shit you are honestly. going to like, die you, it, you are going to love it so hard well also too like if you if you want to go into a fandom that has all this quote unquote problematic aspects to it mm-hmm. you know problematic i hate that faves, fucking problematic faves and boy does it because but, there has <laughs> never been a queerer show Ever more clear to this day, or more cannibalistic. And cannibalism is a kind of thing that most people just don't touch. People don't touch it, and yet, you know, the in cannib- a lot of ways, and queer it's so sexuality to the story. is actually much more threatening to people than cannibalism. Yeah, the is. cannibalism. I mean, if you're if you're looking at the the fan, if, if you look at the fanfic as as a indicator of what fi- of what people find most troubling mm-hmm. or disconcerting the, the cannibalism is just doesn't even it's rank like not yeah. there. there yeah it, it it's, it's a background noise right well, yeah. i mean i mean the, the 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 casting and production of the show almost every single person i would say that 60% of all of the actors who've ever been on cannibal are queer mm-hmm. 60% of all the people involved in the actual crew of the show are queer it's not just we think this is fun. They are like Brian Fuller genuinely walks the fucking walk. Yeah. He is interested in diversity in viewpoints. He is interested in diversity of the people who look, the, the people on screen. He's interested in every single diverse voice in terms of creating. In terms of actual creativity, and he's just like, I'm a white guy, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy, yeah, I'm queer, but like, I'm a white guy. It's up to me to, with the power that I have, provide a platform 
for other faces and other voices and you know to to show that they're that i am only as important as everyone else that i work with yeah i wouldn't be so so fantastic i wouldn't be so um like i i I wouldn't be so sanguine about um brian fuller's um you know diversity on on the show um because i feel that Mm. there's a really strong uh, particular kind of uh, aesthetic to uh, who he casts and, uh, and his particular concerns with with beauty the the show well, yeah, is, is so that. incredibly beautiful and there's a, a real focus on a kind of dominant discourse around around beauty I'm sorry I'm not feeling very uh, no no I completely understand what you're talking about yeah it's it, like they don't elevate people that are not traditionally beautiful right yeah, and so there's, I mean, it's, so it's not, it may... Uh... Well, I feel that in Hannibal, that's a big part of, like, just the sort of, like, general aesthetic of that show. Of course. I guess I'm just saying that people really want to um, not be critical and celebrate a lot of things about um, Brian Fuller, and, and I'm not against that. I guess I just think that in doing so, we can also hold some space for some ways in which it's still part uh it it still has to operate within the status quo for sure yeah i think it's a great criticism to have of shows nowadays because i feel like they do not show things that they don't consider normal but the normal level of normal is beautiful to the point of uh, impossibility that's my idea yeah i mean i I think that the the show is incredibly queer um and in doing that part of the way it's made possible is through its um you know um, you know, re- refusal to challenge, you know, uh, other, 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 other dominant discourses that keep, that keep the, you know, hierarchy in place. Yeah, it can, it, 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 you, it, you gotta, you know, and a big part of that is wondering who it is who's making those final decisions. Producers. And, you know, yeah, is it, is it the producers or is it the studio? Is it the people whose money is being used to actually bring this into creation? And, in those situations, do you continue to engage while trying to work behind the scenes to make things better, or do you leave? And I think that there's a certain aspect of why Brian Fuller keeps on quitting his shows again yes. and again, mm-hmm. because he's frustrated about how much how much constraint on his visions of how things can be that he doesn't get to do, and he and he works on it for as long as he can and then he's just like okay I'm off to the next thing mm-hmm. and um, uh, particularly with the, I, I feel that um, in the sort of like casting presentation and ideas that we're being shown on Star Trek Discovery mm-hmm. um, it is a much more diverse and interesting uh, presentation of, of humanity than has been you know shown a in any Star Trek show but mm-hmm. also in shows in general and uh, there was that you know th- that there was a point where he decided that he was going to no longer be involved with the show after he had laid a lot of the groundwork for the idea the the, the fundamental ideas under underlying the show mm-hmm. but that he felt that there was a that there was greater freedom to be found elsewhere and that I feel like that his career has been really characterized by him like seeking the maximum amount of freedom with each studio and each project that he works on 
then becoming frustrated and then deciding that he's going to leave. Rage quitting. Yeah, so he's rage quitting, but he's you know he's just spreading this you know spreading his seed. Is it time <laughs> to wrap it up? Interesting ideas. I was going to say yeah the because uh, we're hitting we're at quarter to four. Oh my! Uh, instead of uh, I, as a bit of a twist to our because we normally will we'll do we'll do like a um, like a we're endorsements and recommendations segment like hey what are you reading that you're checking out. As just, well as like final we're just, thoughts, we're just interested in the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's all we care about, right? The, now. Well, there's that, but it's like at some point, yeah. This is this is a hell of, like we can get like we can get like two or three shows out of this. That's what uh, I'm gonna say. Like, I think that we should do a follow up episode after yes. you're done with your quarter, and, and also, I think I should watch Hannibal first. The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, and I will have a lot to say about that. Uh, so, me too. Me too. If uh, if you can take a second, um, can you offer any like recommended? I'm trying to think of like a, a way to like recommended. Recommended things, uh, thematically uh, thematically relevant. Recommended things of like, if there's anything you can recommend to the audience, um, be it published or even like like stuff on YouTube or whatnot. Of um, oh good, of like stuff that people should go check out. Um, that get that get you know either examples of or uh, of like you know further kind of, reading further reading yeah mm-hmm. what what for what for you know uh, <laughs> if you're if you're really excited of this the Library of Cond- Congress suggests this <laughs> in other in, in other books so but you don't have to take my word for it check it out mm-hmm. I'm gonna put this in your show notes and it is a essay published in 2002 actually March first of 2002. Um, by Jessica Ruth on her site Diaryland. And the whole point of this essay was that she was talking about why Slash meant a lot to her as a mm-hmm. young woman. And this oh. essay spoke to me a lot, especially since I, again, Slash. I didn't learn how to masturbate until I was in my 20s. Oh. Just, yeah, drive that in. Oh. Um, I was upset with my body. I didn't like it. I didn't think I, w- I didn't feel my own sexuality. And so Slash spoke to me on a level of that you know, you could picture something and idealize it and, and not see yourself in it, but also see yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why I was it was appealed, appealing to me and it has conti- uh, continued to be appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Please cut out my stuttering. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's so charming, dear. What? We know we yeah, we've never had any instances of the editor <laughs> cutting out, you know, person, you know, personal stuttering on this show. Yeah. But um, the way that she talks about it is really great. And I think it, oh, it means a lot. I can't wait to read that. That sounds great. I'll send you the link right now. Awesome. And it's because I'm following this wonderful blog that's like fiction is not reality. Mm-hmm. And they talk a lot about anti-shipping and a lot of anti-shipping actually goes into Slash. Yeah. And sadly, we still have that kind of homophobia that we have had for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's just being pushed into new forms. And they're not looking at the necessarily as a, as a homophobic relationship. They're always looking at it from the problematic aspects of like, is it abuse? And the abuse oh, aspect doesn't oh really make God. sense to anybody mm. on a on a real level because it's fiction, mm. right? Fiction mm. is not abuse. Fiction is fictional characters interacting in a way that, you know, yes, there are problematic elements, but they're not real. Anybody who is an anti-shipper, a Fox. Finn and Poe, is a dumbass. Yes. Because, I'm sorry, it's the most loving thing I've seen in a very long time, and it's beautiful. And uh, I'd love for them to have... You're a storm I'm hoping, pilot I'm shipper, too. I'm hoping that they just, like, Yay. sneak in little tiny moments where they just kind of, like, gaze at each other mm-hmm. a little bit too long. That's my jacket. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. Keep it. It suits you. You're a good man, Finn. Oh, I need your help. Mm-hmm. And we'll all just squeal about that because, of Oscar course, Isaac the two actors involved in the, involved in the characters that are being shipped, they're like, I am so for this. I can't even tell you. That's fantastic. I would do it. 
Mm-hmm. I'll do it. If they decide that these two guys are going to become lovers, I am there. I'm going to wax. <laughs> yep. I'm going to wax and make sure that I'm ready for this show. It's going to be great. Yep. I am into this because I'm sorry. Yeah, he's really hot. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, I think my character would go for that. Yeah. Uh, as a recommendation, I just say go to archive of our own dot mm-hmm. org. Just go there and uh, look up what you're interested in. Yeah, you can search by you know different kinds you can search by characters you can search by ships you can search by shows you can you can browse you can yes you can you can browse you can browse by any of those things you can also pick out any particular kind of um kind of activity that you want your characters mm-hmm. to be engaging in your so, kink yeah yes. or exactly. your level of kink yes I, yes I remember a really fun evening that i had uh several years ago it was probably like 13 years ago or something with some friends of mine in seattle we'd been drinking cocktails and smoking bowls all night <laughs> and we decided and uh i had brought up the uh the the idea of uh of gimli legolas slash yep. and my friends found it to be like laughably outrageous but then immediately we got on the internet and found hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories of Legolas Gimli slash as you do 42 42 oh that's not bad for a pointy-eared elvish princeling (laughs) I myself am sitting pretty on 43 43 he was already dead he was twitching he was twitching because he's got my axe embedded in his nervous system. Yep. And, and you, then we began to try to come up with other pairings that we thought were completely outlandish. Yep. We found every single one of them. Of course. Mm-hmm. 13 every, okay, years ago. Here's our explanation for crack, right? So a crack ship is when two people that absolutely have no interactions or absolutely have no character relationship end up together. And Legolas and Gimli is not, because they're very much best friends. Yeah. They're, they're, and they're enemies, they're enemies it, too, man. because, they I mean, it's a dwarf and an elf, because yeah. they kind of hate, hate each other. So that's actually, Toss there's me. a lot of conflict there. Anything with conflict in it is immediate attention, right? Toss but, like, I actually, um, and on that note, I, I shipped, uh, I had a, a ship blog for K2SO and Jin Erso from oh, Rogue One. Yeah. Because I'm an Elitidic fan, and, and some I, of those, the yeah. fic was about yeah. K2SO being a human but it was Ellen Tudyk. Have you, have you seen um, Reaper Sun's um, drawing of that? No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Send so I recommend, I recommend um, Reaper Sun on Patreon, who mm-hmm. does um, really great um, comics and, you know, Reaper Sun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome I do, stuff. but I didn't know about that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm getting it straight, I, I believe that there is. How do you, wait, how do you, how do you spell that? I also love Ellen Tudyk. R E A. Him on Dollhouse, oh I my fucking God. died. Hero oh. villainship. I'm sorry, but Alpha, Alpha, Reaper, Sun, yeah, all one word. I can't oh, decide so. if I like Alpha in clothes or out of clothes better. Because oh, boy, he wears clothes so brilliantly. And you wouldn't think Alan Tudyk because he's washed, but he's built like a brick shit house. <laughs> and he's such a good villain in that show. And he's from Texas. He cuts people. God bless it's- him. It's okay, I'm just so, so uh, Reaper Sun yeah. R E A P E R S O N S U N S U N Okay. All right. Yeah. Five hundred sixty four patrons. Yeah, five thousand dollars a month. I've been really interested That's in, right. in, in Reaper Sun for a couple of years now Ooh. because I had seen some of their work in some other fandom and really really liked it, but I didn't know that they were doing. I just oh, I 
want to be your robots. <laughs> I love robots. I love robots. My my little my own rec- my own recommendation is uh, I'd say check our previous check our previous episode. I think it's like episode fifteen or something when we are called the John Locke conspiracy mm-hmm. uh, that I believe we did in January of this year where uh, Natasha. Get, uh, and I want to go on the record as saying I love John Locke shippers and I think they're wonderful and there's nothing against them. My only beef with that whole fandom was the fact that of the people that were on Twitter harassing the um, actual actresses that were playing the parts that they weren't yeah that's never okay Okay. ever ever there's never and I will gladly admit I'm a Sherlock shipper but it's not like it doesn't like infect my like beliefs about John Locke I love John Locke it's actually it's actually definitely is Sherlock yeah, Sherlock and Moriarty. Exactly. Sherlock That's Moriarty. yeah. Sherlock Sher- Sher- yeah. I have Don't, some. I have yeah. some fanfic recommendations of the stuff that I've written that maybe you're interested in. Uh, yeah. I just want to say uh, first. Uh don't harass actresses on Twitter. You 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 harass or actors, uh, har- but especially not actors. You know, you harass cool. har- harass conservative politicians. You don't don't harass actresses. Yeah. Flick shit at Mike Pence. Don't don't be mean to Daisy Ridley. She's already Never. over you. I don't mean, be come mean. Come on. Yeah, don't be She's mean. She's already over you. Yeah. She's fine without your ass. Okay. So, but yeah, the the um and but yeah, our earlier episode this year, I think episode fifteen or so. I'll try to put a link in the show notes. Was uh, Natasha uh, explaining us the what was uh, like a lot of the fan drama and whatnot with the. Was it season ending of of that season of Sherlock? Like that? Like, yeah. yeah, no, no. Which one? Oh, my God. Oh, it was Sherlock just, haters are the worst. It was within the fandom itself, and it was just that they had mm. a high expectation to the point where they created a conspiracy theory. And I love conspiracy theories within fandom because I live for that yeah, shit. Yeah, that's great. It's hilarious. Yeah. By the same token, they were like so... It was like watching a waterfall of shit just cascade <laughs> down Tumblr, and I'm like, oh, I'm part of this fandom. I'm part... I'm part Can of, I like, dodge this? Oh, no. No. Yeah, like a, like a two-story, like a tiny little umbrella, yeah. like, 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 like a like twilight. Coyote. No, granted, like that a, show was very in touch with its fans like because there were so many outhouse. of them. Mm-hmm. But there were people making money off Patreon doing meta about mm-hmm. John and and. It's um, because I think that Molly could do better. That's the reason why I'm not a Sherlock. It's because yeah. I think that Molly could do better. Molly Sherlock can do better. Sherlock's an asshole. He's a fucking mess. He's a junkie. Um, yeah. yeah. He's, so you know. And I'm not a serious Sherlock f- fic writer or anything like that, or even interested in the fandom itself. I, I mean, just it's like a hot the, shit. I like the dynamic of them, but <laughs> yeah, I also think hot, that it but... was very underserved within the narrative, and Sherlock is definitely not somebody I want any to see shipped with anybody because Except he's just he totally ends up with her okay. in terms of problematic ships honestly I think Sherlock and Molly is like more problematic and troubling and... than Sh- than Hannibal and Will yes it is Hannibal yeah. is better to Will yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Really, exactly I, I, thing to say, no, right? I, I agree completely to, by the end of the show Hannibal is better I Will. ship Molly with happiness yeah. yeah. See, like I said, we're getting, we got about we're getting, I ship we Molly about. with a Hitachi magic wand <laughs> and um, also um, becoming like effect. the actual like, director of uh, Bart's Hospital. Yeah, yeah that's like, what that girl needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, we can get uh, this episode can spawn a good four to six <laughs> follow up episodes on the various threads and topics. We could just herein. we could easily just do an episode, an entire podcast episode about one 
single ship. Yeah, we'll do one on Hamagram. Oh, you know, what would be a really great it's podcast? It's so much. Yeah, well, it is. It so is. Much so much Hamagram. It's so beautiful. Yeah, plus all, all of the other pairings, you know, like uh, Tristad and, you know, Space Dogs and etc. Yeah. What's Space Dogs? Space Dogs is um, is Hugh Dancy's character from the movie from the movie Adam mm-hmm. with um, Maz Mikkelsen's character from Charlie Countryman. Wow. Yeah. It's it's like AU fic, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Oh, and and Space Chickens the, is my yeah. personal favorite. What's Space Chickens? Space Chickens <laughs> is um, oh God, Maz Mikkelsen's character from um, from Men and Chicken, which if you haven't seen, is That's one of the so best good. movies in, in the universe. He's so funny. He's so funny in that. And in fact, all of all of um, so Maz Mikkelsen's films with, uh, Andrew, with the director... Anders Thomas Jensen is are just incredible. All, yeah. all of his, all of his, all of his Dutch movies are freaking his, Danish. or his Danish, Danish movies are right. freaking hilarious. This is the best yeah. part about fandom is that you start to explore all the niches and crooks and crannies mm-hmm. away from from all the actors and find mm-hmm. everything that you can around them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I know. And then other ideas occur yeah. to you, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is essentially what happens, right? I mean, um, I I have peripheral knowledge of the Adam Driver fandom oh. just from what I've been through, well. and everything becomes headcanon right like it's all pulled in nothing doesn't exist in the fandom and uh we will get into headcanon and whatnot in the in the in the the follow follow follow-up episode uh just to wrap it up i want to thank everyone for joining us today do you have any uh, final or concluding thoughts go for it where to find you guys online and or where to find you guys should you want to be contacted yeah you can find me at ashes for foxes on twitter and tumblr uh, I'm on the Facebooks under my usual name on um, Archive of Their Own and nearly everywhere else, including Tumblr, uh, Terebimi, T-E-R-E-B-I underscore M-E. That is Japanese for TVI, because that's the kind of nerd I am. And it's not me, notice, it's not me na- being named after the uh, actual original Iggy Pop song. It's about the local Portland band that named themselves after the Iggy Pop song. Yeah. Um, Get so it right, Teta people. Me. Um, yeah, T R E T E R E B I underscore M E on both Tumblr and Archive of Their Own. I have lots and lots and lots of fic. I'm a really bad Tumblr user because I mostly use it just for porn, but uh, I do. Um, I, I am on there, um, and I'm on the Facebooks under my name with the usual spelling. I'm on the Facebooks. Uh, under my name with my usual spelling, Amy Zomariva. And uh, I'm on other things, but I prefer not to share those. There you go. Oh, and also, um, you can find my books on the shelves at Powell's a lot of the time or on Amazon. Just look for Jumia Jefferson and uh, you'll see my books for sale. So please buy them because I'm very, very poor. There you go. All right. I want to thank yes. thank everybody. Uh, thank everybody once again for joining us on this extremely dense topic that we probably need another it's couple so of dense. hours to get through. Um, <laughs> it's like pudding. Topic. It's it's like a good plum pudding. It's yeah. really exactly. dense. Um, last things. Uh, any 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 final words? Fandom is awesome. Read more fan fiction. Read more fanfic because it's actually it is viral. It's good for you. Storytelling by women and it has a lot of. Fucking hot, sexy. Yeah, yeah. And that's not the most important part. The most important part is the per- interpersonal relationship that happens before that. The sex is great, though. Yeah. Pleasure is radical. Yeah. Yes. That's it right. Is. There we go. All right. Thank you and good night, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Don't dream Be Don't dream Oh
we've got to get out of this trap before this decadence saps our wings. I've got to be strong and try to hang on or else my mind may well snap and my life will be lived. Thanks, you guys. This Thank is you. the best episode of podcasting Ooh. I've ever done. I think we and definitely should have a whole podcast episode about Hanagram. Yep. I think we really should I because I can talk about it for hours. Here we go. Congratulations! You've just uh, you've just podcasted for the first time. See? It's Are great. Like, it's just I'm just uh, I don't want to go back home. Yeah. <laughs> I have too much work to do. Yeah. It's depressing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wish I could do the work uh, for you, but I wish you could also do some of my work for me. I understand. I I do. Yeah.